your Bibles, find Exodus, the second book of the Bible, Exodus 20. And we're going to continue with our walk through the Ten Commandments. And those of you who are down front, I'm going to need you to help me this morning watch the, the choir and orchestra. I, uh, we're having a little problem with my mic, you know, that Taylor Swift mic that I, I wear on Sundays. And so I can't turn around and see if they're asleep. So... Officer Kreider, how far does that taser thing of yours go? <laughs> so, so um, the ice storm, the ice storm of 2024. That was a crazy week, wasn't it? We kept thinking that it, the ice would melt. Oh, it'll be all right by tomorrow or by the next day. And it just, it just wouldn't, it just wouldn't go away. And so we spent... Uh, a week, some, some. In fact, uh, there are a whole lot more here this week than were here last week. And you know, a lot of people just didn't get get out for an entire week. You know what I what I heard? I heard some people say it was kind of nice. Now I know there were some for whom the feeling of isolation was heavy and and hard. But I I heard people in this church say. It was kind of nice. <clears throat> I didn't hear any uh, parents of school-age kids on Thursday say it's kind of nice, but the rest of us, some of us were. You know, I even heard that during the pandemic. Now, I know the, the pandemic was, of course, very difficult and, and deadly, and Lots of folks got really sick and even didn't survive it. But for those who didn't get really sick, I heard people say, you know, it's kind of nice not to have to get out every night and go to meetings and do this and fight traffic. We played board games, you know, you enjoy the pets and all that. It seems that some of us would, would like to take a break, but we don't know if we should and don't know um, how. And so the Bible speaks to that in this Fourth commandment. And remember, this is not nine, nine commandments and a suggestion. It's ten commandments. So let's read the fourth one beginning at verse 8 in Exodus 20. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male and female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy." Originally, of course, the Sabbath was a Saturday, remains so for our Jewish friends and for our Seventh-day Adventist uh, friends. So how did we end up with the, a Sunday Sabbath? You might know that after, not long after Jesus was resurrected, the, the people, they called them members of the way. The, the early Christians would gather on, on Sundays, on Resurrection Day, and worship and celebrate. And so within a few decades, for most Christians, most all Christians, Sunday had become the the new Sabbath. But the day of the week is not something to get all um, wound up over. In fact, Romans 14, 5 and 6 says, one person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each person should be fully convinced in his or her own mind. So we're not going to get too torqued up over, over Saturday or Sunday. So a lot of churches have worship on Sunday, but also a worship service on Saturday night. As it turns out, knowing how to keep this commandment isn't easy. 
Moses had not been down long from Mount Sinai with remember the Sabbath day to make sure it is holy. And people began to ask, what does holy mean? How do you do that? What are, what are the do's and don'ts? And so it wasn't long until the religious leaders had, had a long list of do's and don'ts and maybe, or mostly don'ts for the, for the Sabbath. And so keeping the Sabbath is not easy. And some people are more strict than others. <clears throat> when I was in Jerusalem back in May with some of you, I, we were in our hotel in um, in Jerusalem, and um, I, I on Sunday, excuse me, Saturday morning, I got up to come down. Probably, I don't know. I was on the tenth or eleventh floor, and um, and got on the elevator to come down. And every light on the panel was illumined. Every and we stopped on every floor. Well, you know, I thought some prankster has gotten on here, and you know how. You, you know, you do this and you don't do that. Don't try that at home. But you know how some people will do. And, and I thought somebody has done that. And, and then after I'd had breakfast and was headed back up, there were three or four elevators. And I noticed I was on the Shabbat elevator, the Sabbath elevator. Because for Orthodox Jewish people, those who are very traditional, uh, operating uh, electrical equipment on the Sabbath, the Shabbat, is forbidden. And so you could ride this elevator and not, not operate electrical equipment. You may think that's extreme. Well, I, you know, I grew up in a church where we were real serious about the Sabbath and about what we could and couldn't, couldn't do, and mainly what we couldn't do. And we couldn't, we couldn't fish. On, on Sunday, somebody had decided, and I don't know where, what committee that came out of, but somebody had decided that it was inappropriate to fish on Sundays, that that made the, made the day unholy. And one day I was, um, I was in high school, I was going to a funeral with our pastor. Uh, I was going to sing at the funeral, and uh, I was driving, and he was in the passenger seat, and a, a girl was, that was going to play the piano for me was in the back seat, and she went to another church, one of those liberal churches where they fish on Sundays. And she said, not knowing my pastor's position, she said something about having been fishing on the previous Sunday, and I nearly fainted. I thought, he's going to think... My friends are pagans. They fish, on, they fish on Sundays. Now, some people, we might think, you know, it's an opinion, might say, well, they take, they're, going, they're going too far with the Sabbath. But most of, for most of us, the problem is not going too far, but not going far enough. It's not, for most of us, the problem is not taking it too seriously, but it's an unhealthy neglect of the Sabbath. I grew up with blue laws, and some of you did too, where it was literally against the law for businesses to open on the Sabbath. I grew up when Sunday drives in the, in the countryside were common and relaxing. Boy, have things, have things changed. In a production-crazy culture like ours, it's easy to, to neglect the Sabbath. There are two functions of the Sabbath, rest and worship. Let's talk about those, and let's start with rest. The word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew Shabbat, which means cease, to cease, or cessation. So this Shabbat, this Sabbath, this, this break from our busyness, this hiatus from our hurriedness, this respite from the rat race, this is a gift from God. 
But many of us fight rest like a two-year-old fights a nap. Some of us really struggle with this idea of rest. Now, it's true, the Bible, the Bible not only warns against, but condemns laziness. But that's for, another, that's for another day. For most of us, the problem is not too little, but, but too much. And it's not, it's not good for us. We are frayed and fried and frazzled out of gas, out of time, out of sorts. We're washed out and wiped out and worn out. And we're, it's just not good for us. There are consequences Emotional consequences, spiritual consequences, relational consequences, and physical consequences to not resting. My, I guess my best friend in seminary was a, a husband, father of three boys, full-time seminary student, part-time pastor of a church, and worked part-time at a bank. And I, we were talking about his schedule, and he said to me, and I remember it so clearly, he said, very, he said very clearly, I believe God has given me the gift of not having to sleep very much so that I can do all these things. And then on a Saturday night, he ended up in an emergency room in Louisville. The diagnosis was exhaustion. You're not Superman, and you're not Superwoman. And God didn't gift you. The gift of just being able to rest and sleep a little bit and do all the things that we're doing. There are consequences to not resting. We need downtime. We need relaxed time. We need chill time. We need hakuna matata time. We all need to rest. There are, of course, some inevitably hectic seasons of life. Mom or dad going back to work or going back to school and still working. So you got family responsibilities. You got your work responsibilities and now you've got assignments with your school and inevitably hectic season of life or the tax person for whom you know the accountant for whom tax season is just a blur. The student who's trying to get through finals. Those of you who have children who cannot yet drive and you have parents who can no longer drive an inevitably hectic season of life. Single parents whose kids demand a lot of attention and a lot of time, an inevitably hectic season of life. But we can't do that forever. A friend of mine, Bruce Bass, owns a crane company in Richmond. And in 2003, Hurricane Isabel came blowing through Richmond with a vengeance. The rains were torrential and the, the, the ground was soaked. And so the, the strong winds ripped up thousands of trees in greater Richmond. Well, to get those trees back up, or not, not to put them back up, you don't do that, but to get them out of the road, and they needed cranes. And so Bass Crane Company had all those cranes out for weeks, working almost round the clock. So after a few weeks, I, I asked Bruce, are you, are you caught up? Finally, he said, but now we have the cranes in the lot and we are in maintenance mode. 
There are inevitably busy seasons of life, but you can't do that forever. To run and to run and to run and to run is too much drain and strain on a crane, and it's true for you too. You have to, you have to rest. But Travis, do we have to observe Sunday strictly? Is Sunday the only day that we that we are to keep holy? And, and do we have to be real strict? Like, can we fish on Sunday might be a good question. What if you have work responsibilities? There are people watching now who have to work at least part of your Sundays. What about uh, if you have a big homework assignment, you're a student and it's due on Monday? What if uh, you have to spend part of your Sundays driving kids around. They got baseball practice at two and youth choir at five and you, you, know, you spend all Sunday doing all that. So do we have to do just, just Sundays? Well, this isn't Sinai 1500 BC and it's not Mayberry 1950 AD either. Our rhythm of life has changed. So how do we responsibly in 2024 in a, a new rhythm of life how, how do we responsibly observe a day? We can get some, some help from Jesus. Jesus practiced creative Sabbaths. Jesus got in trouble twice over his observance or lack of observance of the Sabbath. Once with his friends, they were walking along and, and they went out into the fields. It was the Sabbath day. They went out in the fields and they picked some wheat and they ate. And that wasn't against the law, but to do that on Sabbath was against religious law. And, and he got chastised for that. And then he healed a man on the Sabbath. The man had a bad hand. He healed his hand and got in trouble over that. Jesus said two things that are very helpful here. In Luke 14, Jesus said, if your ox or newer translations say animal or child falls in the well, you'll get the animal or the child out right. And they all had to nod. Yes, we would. So there's some things you just need to do on the Sabbath. But more importantly, I think Jesus said, and this comes from the book of Mark, he said, Sabbath was made for humans, not humans for the Sabbath. So Sabbath is a gift to us. So let's think about it this way. If I were to give you a gift certificate to, let's say, Ruth's Chris, and I, maybe you've been real nice to me, or maybe I'm just a nice guy, and I give you a gift certificate to Ruth's Chris. Well, I don't care what night you go, and I don't care what you wear when you go, and I don't care whether you order steak or chicken or possum. doesn't matter to me what you eat at Ruth's Chris. But if I see you a few weeks later, and I say, did you enjoy your meal at Ruth's Chris? And if you say... You know, we're so busy that we decided we, we really didn't need that, and we threw the gift certificate away. Well, then you're going to hurt my feelings. <laughs> when I give you a gift, I'm not real specific about how you use that gift, but I do kind of hope you'll use it. And so God grants to us the gift of Sabbath, which includes, of course, Rest, And if you can't do everything on Sunday, find a way, find a day, find a, find a hobby, find a recreation, a recreation, paint or sculpt or woodwork or do something. You, you need to rest. 
The second function of Sabbath is worship. God told us to keep the Sabbath day holy, and holy means set apart. So we are to, to come apart from the mundane, from the typical relationships and typical rituals and typical schedules to worship. Reggie McNeil said one of the most interesting things about worship I ever have heard. He said, Sabbath is the date night of our marriage with God. Isn't that interesting? Sabbath is the date night of our marriage with God. You know what a date night is? A couple husband and wife have stood and said sacred vows to each other, and then they go out and they remember why they said those vows. They, they fan the flame. They catch up. They talk. The romance is kindled again. So worship is like the date night of our marriage with God. We come together and we, we remember why we signed up for this in the first place. We study, we read, we, we sing, we pray, and we even listen to a sermon. Now, Travis, while we're on that, uh, not to, please don't be offended, but, but sometimes I don't remember your sermon past Monday. I understand that. Sometimes I don't remember it past Tuesday myself. You know, I don't remember what I have for lunch sometimes the previous day. I couldn't tell you what. Sometimes I couldn't tell you what I had for lunch yesterday. But, but I eat lunch every day because I need to. And we need to worship. Hebrews 10.25, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Let's talk for a moment about the difference between in-person worship and worship via live stream or, or television. So I'm going to look, if I can look right at this camera. Carrie, now somebody showed us recently this thing on, on your TV. You can put up a, a video of a, um, of a fireplace. Y'all seen that? It's real cool. The ambiance is really nice. It even crackles. But you can't warm your fire or warm your hands on that, on that screen. Someone said that's, the that's, that's like the difference between worshiping in person and worshiping virtually. Now, I know some of you cannot get out. So it's just not possible for you to worship in person. Now, I understand that. And I'm so glad that you have this and other opportunities to worship virtually. But if you are able, find a church where you can feel at home. They need you and you need them. You need the encouragement. You need the camaraderie. You need to remember that you're not in this alone. There are lots of good churches around you. Of course, we'd love to have you here. but. It's not about that. If you are able, I hope you'll find a place where you can warm your hands by the fire and not just watch it on a 
on a screen. I hope, I hope you hear my heart. And if you are watching, if you're holding a phone right now, or you, you're in front of a computer screen right now, or a TV screen right now, you have honored us. And we do our best to make this as engaging as we can. We even got this new jib thing over here. Have you all noticed that? That's supposed to bring, it brings people. I'm always afraid they're going to hit me in the head when I'm walking up. But it's, it's this, we try to, it's, we're trying, our AV team tries to make this as engaging as we can. But we cannot duplicate the, the, the meaning and the experience of being together. So if it is physically possible, I hope you'll find a church. Record the worship here, this broadcast, and then and find a place. Well, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy, keep it different, rest and worship. Let me, let me wind this up by uh, telling you a story about a lighthouse keeper. By the way, on December the 31st, just, what, three, three or four weeks ago, uh, Sally Snowman retired, and that made her the last lighthouse. She was the last lighthouse keeper in the United States. She was in B Boston Harbor, big store, a lot of stories about her. Now, all the, the lighthouses in the United States are run by automation. But there was a time... When every lighthouse along the beautiful and dangerous coastlines were maintained by real live people, lighthouse keepers. And this is the story of one. Every month, the, whoever's in charge of the lighthouses would bring the petrol, the gas, the the fuel to keep the engine running, the engine running which kept the beacon glowing at night. And the lighthouse keeper was in charge of that fuel because that lighthouse keeper is in charge of that beacon. Well, so one, one month this, they brought this particular amount of fuel and, and not long after that a, a fisherman came by and he, he was almost out of gas. And so he asked the lighthouse keeper, could I borrow some fuel from you? And the lighthouse keeper was nice and accommodating, and so he gave some of the, some of the fuel to the fisherman. And then, and then a tourist boat came by, touring the coastline. And the captain of that tourist boat hadn't planned ahead, and they were about to run out of fuel, and so he, he pulled up and the, below the lighthouse and asked, could we... Could we have some of your fuel? And the lighthouse keeper, kind and accommodating, accommodating, gave him some fuel. And then it wasn't long until a party boat came by, and, and the driver of the party boat, a lot of people having a good time, the driver of the party boat had not planned well. He was negligent, and so he pulled up down there at the dock, and he said, hey, man, we, we're about out of fuel. Could we, could we use some, could you give us some fuel? And so the kind and accommodating lighthouse keeper gave him some fuel. And then toward the end of the month, the, um, the terrible storm blew in. The rains were torrential. The, the winds were howling and strong. And, and the weather was such that the ships navigating the dangerous and rocky waters along the coastline were so grateful that they had the lighthouse. Except, except on the night of the storm, the, 
the engine ran out of fuel and the beacon of the lighthouse went dark. And ships were wrecked and lives were lost because the lighthouse keeper had run out of fuel. You probably couldn't hear it, but a few moments ago in the children's sermon, when Miss Shelley asked, what happens if you don't rest? Charlotte said, no, no, when you rest, what happens? And she said, you refuel. There are lots of, in, in a congregation like this, there are lots of people pulling on you. Do this for us. Chair this for us. Tugging on you. Lots of opportunities. But there are a few people who really need you. And when they need you, they really, really need you. So you need to rest. And you need to worship. You need to Sabbath. Don't run out of fuel.